scripture for this morning comes from Matthew 5. Give me a second. Starting in verse 43. You have heard it that you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of our Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. For the last month and a half or so, um, God's really been teaching me about this scripture. It's been something that he's been convicting me of, um, my ability to grant grace because of the grace that I've been given. And so, as we go through our message this morning, I want to preface it by saying, I'm not perfect at this. In fact, I'm often not even good at it. But I know that it's truth, and I know that it's important, and I know that God has called us deeper into his love and deeper into our ability to share that love with others. So my prayer is that this morning you and I can grow in that together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be holy and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So this scripture is one that is hard, (laughs) obviously. Um, I've been reading it a lot recently, in recent weeks, and... I don't like the word enemies because I don't really know who my enemy is. When I hear that word, I think of some comic book supervillain that is like a mad scientist with a lab where he wants to destroy Gotham City, you know. Um, And I don't have anyone in my life like that. But obviously that's not what Jesus is implying here. In his day, enemies were really easy to spot because there was a lot of persecution for a lot of different people and a lot of people wanted each other dead and thrown in jail and there were tensions between nationalities and religions and governments and all of that caused fear. And it was, it was pretty clear who your enemy was. And the privilege of most of us being white middle-class Americans is that we don't really have that kind of fear. None of us are really afraid of being killed or 
randomly thrown in jail, right? That's not something that we fear on an everyday basis. Um, so the scripture is hard for me to understand a little bit because I don't have those kind of enemies. So when in doubt, uh, we know to go to the Greek. Well, I don't claim to be a Greek scholar. And even when I'm done with my seminary training, I will never have taken a single Greek class. So uh, that's not something that I'm great at. But the internet is a wonderful place. So um, when I looked up the word enemy in the Greek, um, it's the word ichthrus, or at least that's as close of a pronunciation as we're going to get this morning. Um, And that word means someone with whom you have irreconcilable hostility. Someone with whom you cannot imagine a path towards reconciliation. So thinking about the people in your life. A lot of times our enemies are people who have authority over us. Maybe a boss or a parent because we all know that no matter what age, sometimes our parents, we can only last for about five minutes before we forget why we love them. Um, Maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's a government official that you will never meet in your entire life, but still has power over you and still frustrates you and angers you and brings up feelings of hostility. And I know that in today's political climate, there's feelings of that on both sides of the aisle. Maybe it's a spouse who, after years of fighting, years of anger, you've come to view them as an enemy. Or Maybe it's just someone who, because of circumstance, you've been pitted against each other in competition and you can't find a way back. Someone with whom there's irreconcilable hostility. This word, ichthrus, appears 29 other times in scripture. But I want to look specifically at another time. In Colossians 1. Let me have it up here. Colossians 1 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's death, by Christ's physical body through death, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. You see, when we look at this word enemy someone with whom we have irreconcilable hostility. It crushes me to know that I was once God's enemy. That there was once a time in my relationship with the Lord when I had irreconcilable hostility towards him. A time when there was no imaginable path towards peace for the two of us. And it was in that moment that Christ died for me. It was in that place, that position of 
hostility, of brokenness, of broken relationship that God said, I need to make this right and I'm going to. And he made a way to do that. He loved you despite the fact that you're not easy to love. We see what God's love looks like in 1 Corinthians 13. Pastor Bish used this scripture last week. So um, whenever a scripture is used multiple times, it usually means that you should pay attention because the spirit probably wants to say something to you. So looking at 1 Corinthians 13, we see that God was patient with us. He was patient with you when you didn't deserve his patience. He was patient when no matter how many times he told you the same thing over and over and over again, you just weren't getting it. He had patience. He was kind to you when you did not deserve his kindness. He wasn't jealous. He didn't brag. He wasn't arrogant. He didn't he wasn't rude. He wasn't self-seeking. No, everything that he worked together is for your good. He wasn't easily provoked. He didn't take into account the wrongs that he has suffered, though there were many. He didn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but he rejoiced with the truth. And his love for you bore all things, believed all things, hoped all things, and endured all things. And believe me when I say you made him endure a lot. But he did that because that's what love looks like. He loved you when you least deserved it. And I know that that person in your life doesn't deserve it. They don't deserve your patience because you've given it to them and time after time they've wasted it. They don't deserve your kindness because they haven't shown you kindness in return. They don't deserve for you to not be self-seeking. And there is a huge list of, list of wrongs that you have been keeping track of. And they have made you endure more than you ever thought you could endure. But we love because he first loved us. My best friend recently got a puppy. I think we have a picture. Look at that. <laughs> That's Lucy. Um, and Lucy is now four months old. Four months old. And um, Lucy 
So Lucy's a puppy, regular puppy, and puppies have a lot of energy, right? Well, that's great, um, except Vicky works night shifts. So Lucy and Scott, Vicky's husband, will get a good night's sleep, or at least as good as you can get with a puppy, and then wake up. It's morning time. Lucy's full of energy, ready to go, ready to start a brand new day, and then Scott leaves for work, and Vicky comes home and is ready to go to sleep. <laughs> and Lucy's like, Mom, it's time to play. Let's play. I don't want you to sleep. I haven't seen you all night. It's time to play. And that's very hard <laughs> because Vicky wants sleep. So I was talking to Vicky the other day, and she was expressing all of her frustration about how um, she's not able to get any sleep because of this puppy. And I was like, oh, man, that sounds terrible. And she's like, well, it is, but, you know, she's a puppy. What are you going to do? Puppies have energy. You can't blame the puppy for that. Puppies want to play. Puppies want to, they're, they're excitable. Puppies are going to have accidents on your nice hardwood. Puppies are going to wake you up in the middle of the night. They're going to knock things over and um, give you scratches because they're just trying to play. A puppy is going to be a puppy. And as she was telling me this, I realized how true that is for us. A puppy is going to be a puppy, and a sinner is going to sin. And that includes me, and I have to take ownership for that. The fact that no matter how hard I try, I'm going to let people down in my life. I hate that I am likely someone's enemy. I hate that I've let people down, but I have. I know that even this morning, there are some of you that don't like that I'm preaching. Whether it's because I'm a woman or because I'm young or because I have a voice that a stranger once described as a cartoon chipmunk. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe it's because I've genuinely done something that's hurt you or offended you. And I'm truly sorry if that's the case. But the truth is, I'm going to let you down. Pastor Dave is going to let you down. Pastor Bish is going to let you down. Pastor Hummel is going to let you down. That person in your life that makes you want to just reach across the table and then Lord help you, you have no idea what's going to happen next. They're going to let you down. And you are going to let God down. It's just how it is. It's just the truth. But that is where grace comes in. Our God is a God of unimaginable grace. And see, grace, grace is different than mercy. God is a God of mercy and forgiveness as well. Mercy means that you don't get the punishment that you deserve. And he is absolutely a God who does that. But grace, grace is undeserved blessing. 
It's not just taking away what you do deserve, but it's giving you things that you don't deserve. That's who our God is. He has given you way, way more than you deserve, and he will continue to do that unendingly. Seven, 70 times, 70 times he'll forgive you. And to him who has been given much, much is expected. You have been given much grace, and so much grace is expected of you. I know that that person has hurt you. But we love because he first loved us. And when we understand the grace that we've been given, it changes the way that we see broken people. When you can understand and remember constantly that that person who's hurting you is someone who Christ died for too. It changes the way that you see them. It changes the way that you love them. And we have to remember that. In a few minutes, we're going to enter into a time of communion. And I'm so glad that today fell on Communion Sunday because I think that is a perfect way to end this service. Communion is a time to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. And it's also a time for us to reflect on what that means for our lives. During this time of communion, I ask that you Spend time in prayer remembering the grace that you have been given and pleading with God to help you grant grace to others. I want to reread our scripture for the morning um, from a different translation. This is from the message. You're familiar with the old written law, love your friend, and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. Well, I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies, to bring the, let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer, for then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves, because this is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless, the good and the bad the nice and the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anyone can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. You are kingdom subjects, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way that God lives towards you. Like I said, I'm not perfect at this. I'm not even always good at it. But I want to get better. And I want that for you too. So let's grow in this together. Let's pray.
God, we thank you. We thank you for the immeasurable grace that you've given us. We thank you that it was while we were yet sinners that you died for us. Now, God, help us to share that grace with others. Help us to see the people in our lives who have hurt us through eyes of grace. Your grace. Your patient and kind love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. We love you. And we pray these things in the gracious name of our Lord and Savior. Amen.